Thank you for joining us today. What we're going to do today is, again, we've been going through the book of James, and we've taken a few pauses along the way because of what's been going on. And so we're taking another pause today. Thanksgiving's right around the corner, and I know it's a weird year and a weird time to have Thanksgiving, but I want to talk about today Thanksgiving, and we're going to call our lesson today, Thankful for What? Thankful for What? And we're going to look at a passage from Isaiah chapter 12, and I believe they're in your notes but we're going to get to that here in a moment. Before we do, though, did you ever need a fresh perspective on how good you have it? Did you ever need a fresh perspective on just how good you have it? Well, for the last couple of weeks, I've given you a couple of quizzes, and I don't have a quiz today, but I have something sort of similar. Have you guys ever played the game Would You Rather? Anyone ever played the game Would You Rather? It's not, no one's ever played the game? Okay. Anyways, you're going to play today, so you can check that off your bucket list. <laughs> Would you rather? Now, this one's not as silly as the last couple, okay? This one's just more to make you think. I've been watching the show, I think I told you, called Alone. And in this reality show, they send people out, seriously, by themselves into the wilderness for months, two, three months, and they have to live off the land. And it's interesting when you watch this show how many perspectives change. And this is what this Would You Rather test is about today, is just to have us think. And it was sort of inspired by the show, as many of these people have brought these kinds of things up, going, I think I'd rather this based on this experience. So, would, number one, and just answer it inwardly, you don't need to answer these out loud. Number one, they're pretty obvious. Would you rather have an annoying roommate, which is bad, I've kind of had one in the past. Um, would you rather have an annoying roommate or live in total isolation for the rest of your life? That's your options. An annoying roommate, someone you don't necessarily get along with, or total, complete isolation for the rest of your life. I think most of us would say, I'll take the roommate. I'll take my chances. Uh, number two, would you rather have itchy patches of rashes on your legs and arms or have no legs and arms? Kind of how you look at it, right? Depends how you look at it. I don't want rashes, but I think I'd prefer legs and arms instead of no legs and arms. Uh, number three, would you rather have a home full of things that need to be fixed, or would you rather be homeless? You get the point. Number four, would you rather eat the same meal every day for the rest of your life? Pick whatever that is, your favorite food, but you have to eat it every meal every day for the rest of your life, no matter what it is. Or would you rather struggle to find food at all times? You never know where your next meal is going to come or if it's going to come. Number five, would you rather be bored out of your mind or be under the threat from someone trying to kill you? Would you rather be bored or scared to death? Bored is not fun, but scared is much, much worse. Number six, would you rather have an annoying job or be in a coma in a hospital? Number seven, would you rather be lost on the sea in a small boat or be lost on the sea without a boat at all? It's pretty obvious, right? You'll take the boat. Number eight, would you rather have a lot of family problems to work through? A lot of family problems to work through or lose your entire family in a fire? A couple more. Number nine, would you rather have a church that isn't your dream church? Or be an unbeliever. And number 10. Would you rather have a hard year where everything seems like it's difficult, painful, and scary? Or have no God at all watching over you? 
perspective, right? Sometimes we just need perspective. In fact, I've said this before, but two of the greatest holiday movies ever created, uh, A Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life, are both about perspective. That's what the movies are about. And so that's kind of where we're going today. I have a little story I want to read before we get into our lesson today. A story, and maybe it's one you've heard before. I think I've referred to it before, but I'm not sure I've ever read it. And the title of the story is, It Could Always Be Worse. It Could Always Be Worse. It's a Yiddish folktale. I don't know from what year, but it's called It Could Always Be Worse by Amargo Zemak or something like that. Listen to the story. It's short, but it's powerful. Once upon a time in a small village, a poor, unfortunate man lived with his mother, his wife, and his six children in a little one-room hut. Because they were so crowded, the man and his wife often argued. The children were noisy and they fought. In winter, when the nights were long and the days were cold, life was especially hard. The hut was full of crying and quarreling. One day, when the poor, unfortunate man couldn't stand it anymore, he ran to the rabbi for advice. Rabbi, he cried, things are in a bad way with me and getting worse. We are so poor that my mother, my wife, my six children, and I all live together in one small hut. We are too crowded and there's so much noise. Help me, Rabbi, I'll do whatever you tell me. The rabbi thought and pulled on his beard. And at last he said, tell me, my poor man, do you have any animals, perhaps a chicken or two? Yes, said the man, I have a few chickens, also a rooster and a goose. Ah, fine, said the rabbi. Now go home and take the chickens, the rooster, and the goose into your hut to live with you. Yes, indeed, rabbi, said the man, though he was a bit surprised. The poor unfortunate man hurried home and took the chickens, the rooster, and the goose out of his shed and into his little hut. When some days or a week had gone by, life in the hut was worse than before. Now with quarreling and crying, there was honking, crowing, and clucking. There were feathers in the soup. The hut stayed just as small and the children grew bigger. When the poor unfortunate man couldn't stand it any longer, he ran again to the rabbi for help. Rabbi, he cried, see what a misfortune has befallen me. Now with the crying and quarreling, with the honking, clucking, and crowing, there are feathers in the soup. Rabbi, it couldn't be worse. Help me, please. The rabbi listened and thought. At last he said, tell me, do you happen to have a goat? Oh, yes, I do have an old goat, but he's not worth much. Excellent, said the rabbi. Now go home and take the old goat into your hut to live with you. Ah, no, do you really mean it, rabbi, cried the man. Come, come now, my good man, and do as I say just at once, said the rabbi. The poor unfortunate man trampled back home with his head hanging down, and he took the goat into their hut. When some days or a week had gone by, life in the little hut was much worse. Now with the crying, quarreling, clucking, honking, and crowing, the goat went wild, pushing and butting everyone with his horns. The hut seemed smaller. The children grew bigger. When the poor, unfortunate man couldn't stand it another minute, he ran again to the rabbi. Rabbi, help me, he screamed. Now the goat is running wild. My life is a nightmare. The rabbi listened and thought. At last, he said, tell me, my poor man, is it possible that you have a cow? Young or old, it doesn't matter. Yes, rabbi, it's true, I have a cow, said the poor man fearfully. Go home then, said the rabbi, take the cow into your hut. Oh, no, surely not, rabbi, cried the man. Do it at once, said the rabbi. The poor unfortunate man trudged home with a heavy heart and took the cow into his hut. Is the rabbi crazy, he thought. When some days or a week had gone by, life in the hut was very much worse than before. Everyone quarreled, even the chickens. The goat ran wild, the cow trampled everything. 
The poor man could hardly believe his misfortune. At last, when he could stand it no longer, he ran to the rabbi for help. Rabbi, he shrieked, help me, save me. The end of the world has come. The cow is trampling everything and there is no room even to breathe. It's worse than a nightmare. The rabbi listened and thought. At last, he said, go home now, my poor, unfortunate man, and let the animals out of your hut. I will, I will. I'll do it right away, said the man. The poor, unfortunate man hurried home and let the cow, the goat, the chickens, the goose, and the rooster out of his little hut. That night, the poor man and all his family slept peacefully. There was no crowing, no clucking, no honking. There was plenty of room to breathe. The very next day, the poor man ran back to the rabbi. Rabbi, he cried, you have made life sweet for me. With just my family in the hut, it's so quiet, so roomy, so peaceful. What a pleasure. The point of the story is it could always be worse. It's a story my mom used to read us when I was a little boy. And for some reason, that story has stuck with me over the course of my life. And I just find it an interesting perspective tale. And that's where we're going today as we talk about a lesson called Thankful for What? Join me in Isaiah chapter 12. And we're going to read the entire chapter. It's not very long. Isaiah chapter 12. The prophet says, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. And as I mentioned, Jesus has actually said, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. And the prophet says, great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. God is here today. The Lord is with us today. And we are thankful for that. Well, Thanksgiving is four days away. Four days away from Thanksgiving. It's a lovely holiday, isn't it? Albeit a man-made one. It's a lovely holiday. It was created for us to pause and gather with our loved ones and remember just how much we have to be thankful for in this life. And yet it's 2020. What a weird and hard year it's been. Isn't it true? The very fact that there's something called Zoom's giving should tell you everything. Happy Zoom's giving, everybody. That's, that's a really sad phrase. But that kind of embodies 2020. Even now, I have to speak to many of my church people through a camera lens because of a virus circulating the globe. What a weird and hard year it's been. Is it true? We have faced more challenges than this, in, in this year than many years of our lives for many of us. And now the government is telling us that the cases are getting worse that we need to stay away from each other on a day that we typically gather with loved ones to remember just how much we have to be thankful for. So the question today we have is, thankful for what? Thankful for what? What exactly do you and I have to be thankful for? Is there anything? It seems this year that every day a new and hard bad thing enters our lives. In fact, as we prayed, we have people that we love suffering right now for reasons we don't really understand. Thankful 
For what exactly? This is a bad year, right? We aren't supposed to be thankful for bad things, only good things. So why should we be thankful? Perhaps when 2021 comes, if it comes, Lord willing, maybe if it's a better year than 2020, and maybe if we're able to have a normal Thanksgiving and not fear going in public and not have to wear masks, then we'll be thankful. Because if we're honest, according to some of our hearts, how they're feeling right now, maybe God has let us down this year. And maybe perhaps not thanking him this year will kind of send him a message that we kind of expect better treatment next year. We would never think that way, would we? But what can be worse than 2020? What could be worse than the year 2020? What is harder than what we're facing right now? In fact, I think many of us cannot think of a worse time, a harder time than the year we're having this very year. But the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 12, he's speaking for the entire nation of Israel in a prophetic one day soon message. And this is what he says. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, you turned your anger away that you might comfort me. Although the prophet Isaiah never lived in 2020, he didn't experience this year. He's giving us a message today that we need. He's telling us 2020 is not the worst year of your life, and it's not even close. How can that be? See, there was a time, according to Scripture, that you and I were God's enemies. There was a time when you and I were practical enemies of God instead of his people. We find that exact language from Romans 5, verse 10. It says, while you were enemies... Christ loved us. And even 1 Peter 2, listen to the language in 1 Peter 2. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter and Isaiah reminded us of something today, that there was a time, there was a year way worse than 2020. There was a year and a time when God did not love us. A year when we were drenched in our sin and we were awaiting the wrath of God because of that sin. Isaiah actually says, God was angry with us. The almighty God of the universe was angry with us. If you've been with us for the study in the attributes of God, one of God's attributes, the most uncomfortable one, is wrath. Wrath. Wrath is the righteous anger of or indignation of God against what is sinful, what is against his righteous law. And God's wrath is absolutely terrifying to consider. And it's supposed to be. But that was our destiny for a time. God's wrath was our destiny until something magnificent took place. As much as the devil wants us to think that God must be angry with us to all make us endure a year as bad as 2020, Isaiah and Peter want to change our perspective today. Yes, there is general suffering upon the earth, such as pandemics and viruses and natural disasters and diseases and financial hardships and pain and loneliness. But that is not the righteous anger of God that we were awaiting on Judgment Day. 2020 is not Judgment Day. This is not the wrath of God. Although 2020 is uncomfortable and unpredictable, and it is, this is not Judgment Day. 
It's not even close. And, as we looked at our little Would You Rather quiz, we have the God of the universe right now watching over us every single hour. Not only is it not Judgment Day, God is watching over us every single hour of the day, making 2020 a cakewalk compared to what we were waiting for. See, because there was a time when we were on our own in this world without God's fatherly love, without the compassion and shepherding hand of our Lord Jesus. And we were headed towards eternal separation from God. I mean, think about that. Eternal separation from God, about to face the full righteous wrath of God because of our sin. That's what scripture says. Yes, you can say God knows everything and he was planning to redeem us through Jesus. That is true. But the scriptures plainly speak We were not God's people. He did not love us. In fact, he was angry with us for good reason. And if that continued, 2020 was going to feel like heaven compared to what was waiting for us on the other side. See, it's all perspective. It's all perspective. Is 2020 the worst? Or is there something even worse than 2020? And there's something much, much graver than 2020. God was, for a time, was our practical enemy and sinfulness. Our sinfulness was kindling his righteous anger every day because we lived against the way he created us and against his righteous law that he stands for. And as much as sinfulness to us seems like no big deal, it's like, well, I'm not perfect. Okay, I could be better. Yeah, I sin every now and then. I'm not the perfect being. Sin sin to us seems like no big deal at all. But you see, sin's a huge deal to God. Sin is a huge deal to God. And the reason we know that is because of several things, but I I singled out four of them. Sin is a big enough deal in God's mind that he destroyed the world with a worldwide flood. That's not a fairy tale. That's not a myth. That actually happened. Eight people survived it. A worldwide flood destroyed everything upon the earth. Now, as bad as this pandemic is in 2020, it's nowhere near that, is it? Eight people survived it and had to repopulate the earth because everyone else was destroyed because God was so angry because of the sin that was on the world. And that maybe makes us feel uncomfortable, but that's, that's reality. That actually happened. God actually says in his scripture he regretted that he made mankind because of how sinful we were. Number two, rain fell from the sky on a town called Sodom and Gomorrah. Guys, that's a bad year. Right there, that's a bad year. Fire raining from the sky because of sinfulness. That actually happened. That's not a myth. Number three, God created a place called hell for the eternal destruction of the wicked. It's not a myth. It's a real place. It's really going to happen. God will destroy the wicked in a place called hell for the rest of eternity because of sinfulness. And if that wasn't enough to convince us, number four, when his son, his own son, his only begotten son, took our sinfulness upon himself and he stepped on a cross, his father destroyed him because God hates sin. He is angry every single day at what to us is no big deal, which is sinfulness. 
God is not coy about a stance on sin. Everyone who continues in sin is going to be destroyed. Just think about what Jesus had to endure on the cross because he stepped into the place of the sinner. Sin is a massive problem. Coronavirus, it's not a massive problem when you line it next to sin. Sin is a disease that lies within every single person. And it will destroy 100% of the people unless they find the salvation and the Savior. Unless we found Jesus Christ, or the better way to say it is unless he found us, we were doomed. Utterly, utterly doomed. And that's what was waiting for us. Does 2020 seem so bad now? Does 2020 seem so bad? Do you see how a fresh perspective just changes everything? The righteous God of the universe, our creator, was angry with us, and he, he had destined us for his wrath based on our sin. Now, that's not the end of the story, because the writer of Isaiah doesn't even put a period there. Because he says, yet, when things were the worst they could ever be for us, when things were the worst they could ever be, the God of the universe was angry at us. He, we were destined for wrath. He was our practical enemy. The prophet states this, God turned his anger away from us. He turned that anger away from us. How could he do that? He turned it towards Jesus on the cross and away from us. And the prophet says this, so that he might comfort us. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. I mean, let that hit you. The anger of God was upon us and waiting for us in full destructive capabilities. And God turned the anger away. He turned it toward his son on our behalf so that he might comfort us. Are you thankful yet? Are you thankful yet? The prophet continues. He says, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid Man, shouldn't we all say that today? Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The very God that was angry with us, the very God who is almighty and authoritative enough to destroy us forever in hell, has become our savior. The very same God that was angry with us has now become our savior. Guys, no story compares to this one. No story compares to this one. Typically in most stories, there's a bad guy and there's a good guy, right? I tried to find some illustrations of that. There's, in most stories, there's a bad guy and there's a good guy. And spoiler alert, but the good guy typically rescues the people from the bad guy and he destroys the bad guy. That's almost 100% of how every story goes. The good guy beats the bad guy and saves everyone from the bad guy. And we like that narrative. That narrative makes sense to us. We like watching stories where good conquers evil, don't we? But in our story, guys, we were the bad guys. We were the bad guys. And the good guy doesn't not only destroy us, but he lays himself on a cross that was meant for us so he might save the bad guys and love them forever. You ever heard a story like that one before? The bad guy 
deserves destruction, but the good guy lays himself on a cross to save the bad guy so he can love the bad guy forever. And he destroyed himself so you and I might live forever. I mean, that's what scripture screams at us. That is the gospel message. That we were the bad guy and we found salvation and restoration with our God because of what the real good guy did for us. 2020, are you listening? Are you listening, people? The God of all creation defeated death for us. He defeated death for us and he's reminding us today that he is worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our trust. That's what the word trustworthy means. Who can that be applied to more than our God? Trustworthy. Is he worthy of this? Is he worthy of our trust right now? Is this a time that we should be shrinking back and questioning all of his promises and wondering, are we going to be destroyed by a virus? Or is it time to remember? Isaiah says, I will trust and not be afraid. I will trust and will not be afraid. Can you say that today? I will trust and not be afraid. Death, eternal death, was coming straight for us. And the Lord of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, stood in the way of it and he absorbed it all, every ounce of it, so that not one single drop of the wrath of God would hit us. You could say Jesus intercepted our wrath. He stood in the way of the eternal destruction that awaited us. And now an earthly virus is going to get us to lose courage. The eternal wrath of God was coming straight for us and Jesus absorbed every ounce of it. And now a virus is causing us to shake in our boots. I think Isaiah would look at what's going on today and he would ask us this. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten Are you talking more about the pandemic than the Savior who once saved you from God's eternal wrath and death? Do you think the Savior is worried right now? Do you think the Savior is worried when the wrath of God was headed straight for us and he intercepted that wrath and absorbed every ounce of it? And then when he did, three days later, he woke up from death and conquered it. Do you think he's worried right now? Do you think this is out of his control? Do you think he can't intervene? Do you think the Savior is worried? When we're in our right minds, this is what should come out of our mouth and out of our lives. The prophet continues and he says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Do you need to be reminded of how great your Lord is today? Do you need to be encouraged to give him thanksgiving? Do you need to find courage to keep your faith in the year 2020? Do you need to find reasons to invest in his church during a hard year of your life? Do you need any more motivation to love and stay faithful to him, your Lord Jesus, your Savior? And mine. No, according to Isaiah, what we all need is we need to grab our buckets, our souls, and we need to head down again to the well of salvation. The place we once went for the first time as filthy sinners, when we sheepishly let our buckets down into that well, 
wondering if that water would and could actually save someone as dirty as us. We had just enough faith to lower our buckets into that well, and we drew up that sparkling spiritual water that changed our lives forever. That precious water was the cleansing water of God's forgiveness. We drew it up, and our soul drank it. And from that moment on, our sins were washed away. We were cleansed. We were healed. And the best thing is, is that water that we drank was entirely free of charge because Jesus paid the enormous price that water costs by himself on the cross. An old song says it this way, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. See, we didn't deserve that water. We did not deserve that water, but we got it anyways. And that day is the day we received hope. Real hope. Eternal hope. Life-changing hope. We drank the healing, forgiving water from the well of salvation, and it chased all our fears away. But it's been too long for some of us. We haven't drank of that water in a long time. 2020 has been a long year and we've been preoccupied with everything going on in the news. We remember the water when a pastor mentions it in his sermon or we sing about it on Sunday mornings. But we haven't drank of that water in a long time. The prophet is encouraging us today to grab our buckets once again and maybe blow the dust off them and head down to the well of salvation. Not that we need to be saved again, that's not the point. What we need to do is refresh our souls with the taste of that water. We need to take a whole bucket full of that water, that precious healing water, and we need to take a long, slow drink of it. Because once we do, we will say like the prophet, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, Proclaim that his name is exalted. When we drink that water, we will burst forth such praise to the Lord. Christian, do it today. Do it today. Even if it's been a while, even if it's not been a while, do it today. Grab your bucket and head down to the well of salvation and let him fill you again. And if so, if you will, then perhaps you'll sing like King David did in that classic psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, or my bucket, overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Are you thankful yet? People are watching us today, guys. They're watching us today. You could say that we are the display cases to the beautiful, stunning diamond ring 
that is our Lord Jesus. We are the display cases to the beautiful, stunning diamond ring that is our Lord Jesus. Whatever we display to this world is how they see our Lord. People are watching us today. They're also listening to us. Whatever comes out of our mouth has the name of Jesus attached to it because they know we follow him. What is coming out of your life today? What is coming out of your mouth today? If the world watched you this past week and made a conclusion about your Lord based on your life and your speech, what would they think about him? Would they see sin? Things that hurt other people? Would they see worry? A lifestyle that acts like there is no God watching over you? Would they hear murmuring, complaining, rudeness, selfishness, greed, anger, frustration, and fear from the things you say or the things you post online? The prophet tells us that only one thing should be coming out of our mouths and out of our lives if we understand who this Lord really is. He says, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. That word means heaven. O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Man, amen. Have we forgotten how great our Lord is? Have we forgotten how in control he is? I mean, we're talking about sovereignty in our Wednesday nights and our attributes of God, and it's reminded me how in control he is. This is laughable to him. This is no big deal to him. He's watching over us every hour, and he's promised us. I take care of the birds. I watch over the grass of the field. I love you more than all of those things combined. Have we forgotten how much he loves us and how much he takes care of our daily needs? Daily needs? Have we forgotten that he spared no expense to redeem us from the pits of hell? Have we forgotten that right now he is crafting for us an eternal home in heaven and preparing us a seat at his eternal banquet table with our names on it? Have we forgotten how bad our lives were before the Lord saved us. Would you rather live through 2020 or would you rather go back to that time of your life when you were God's enemy, when his wrath was against you? Guys, we're too forgetful. We're too forgetful. Our Lord is worthy of remembrance. Our Lord is worthy of trust. He's trustworthy. Our Lord is worthy of obedience. Our Lord is worthy of faithfulness. And our Lord is worthy of praise. And our Lord is worthy of thanksgiving. Is he not? Thankful for what? Let's all cheat Thanksgiving Day. Okay, let's cheat it. Let's recall right now, today, what the Lord has done for us. Take your bucket to the well of salvation this very day. And fill that bucket up with his grace, with his love, with his mercy, with his forgiveness. And if you can lift it after that, bring it to the lips of your soul and drink it again. Until you remember who he is, 
what he's done and what he's promised to do for you. And when you do, you will say something similar to the psalmist in Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that he, the Lord, is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are the people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Do you have reason to trust him today? Has he proven himself to you yet? Do you have reason to praise him today? Has he done good things for you? Do you have reason to love him today? Did he go to the cross for you? Do you have reason to serve and obey him today? Do you want to live for him? Do you have reason to thank him today? Where would you be without your Lord Jesus? Thankful for what? Salvation. Forgiveness. Reconciliation with God. That means coming back together with God. Eternal life. Jesus shepherding us. Jesus fighting for us. Jesus protecting us. Jesus sustaining us. Jesus feeding us. Jesus teaching us. Jesus providing for us. Second chances. Third chances. Fourth chances. Fifth chances. Giving us a purpose. Giving us hope. Giving us security. Giving us the Holy Spirit. Giving us spiritual armor. Giving us the Bible. Giving us pastors giving us himself. Do you know that Lord today? Do you know him today? Is he your Lord Jesus? If he is, you have much, much to praise him for, much to thank him for. If you do not know that Lord Jesus, don't take another step in 2020 without him. Solve that today by going to him with faith and saying, Lord, I believe. I believe what you came to do. I'm here to follow you. My life is yours. In that very moment, he's your Savior. Thankful for what? Thankful for everything. We have much to thank him for, and this year, even in the midst of 2020, do we not? He is worthy of our thanksgiving. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our trust. Would you bow and pray with me? Father, I confess I need to hear this as much as anyone else. I've lost sight. I've lost my perspective on who you are, what you've done, what you do every single day, and what you've promised to do for my soul. I need to take my bucket to the well of salvation. I need to fill it up, and I need to drink, and I need to do it every single day. Because if I don't, I'm going to worry, I'm going to murmur, I'm going to sin. I'm going to forget about you. 
And that is so shameful. Father, I pray for every soul here and every soul who's listening and watching this. I pray that we would all take our bucket to the well of salvation, either for the first time in a long time, or maybe for the first time ever. And say, I believe. I know who you are. I know why you came. I know what you did, and I know what you've promised to do. And take that bucket and fill it up and drink and drink and drink and drink until we are satisfied and full in you. I pray for the souls here that we would drink of that water today, that you would restore your people, you'd strengthen your people, you'd help us to stand our footing and even go forward because you told us the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church and it's a promise from our Lord. Stand our ground, go forward and do it because our Savior, our Captain, fights with us and fights for us. We know what you've done. We thank you for it to help us to live in the spirit of thanksgiving for the rest of 2020, for the rest of our lives. And we give you all glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.